Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You're listening to myself, Josh Hartley, and my co-host, Ben Porter. Ben, what are we going to be talking about this time? This week we are going to be talking about the magical world of Kickstarter. Kickstarter, yes. The uh, How long has it been running for now? Oh, it's... A while, right? It's at least about seven years, I think. Yeah. But if, you, if you're not aware, Kickstarter is a website where you can invest in uh, loads of different products, but tabletop gaming is a huge thing on there. So we're going to be talking about that later. However, first, as we were saying last week, we have been playing, well, a few, a few different games. Yeah, um, well, we, we've been playing a little uh, Age of Sigmar skirmish campaign, haven't yes. we? Yes. That's the... the, the because it was, it's actually included in the the supplement that mm-hmm. they brought out recently. It's it's quite a short campaign. It's only like six games. Yeah, we're we're about half. We're now about halfway yeah. through it. Um, I'm playing vampire counts. Yeah, and ben... well, they're not they're not vampire counts oh, anymore. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, they are. Um, I think they're they're just collectively referred to as death. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly can't take any vampire counts at this level. No. That's a shame. It's yeah. It's a great shame. But it's <laughs> again. It's to sort of emphasize the, emphasize rather the um. The the uh, the sort of small games mm. ideas and that because you you don't have any monsters. Uh, you're not allowed to take any artillery. Your leader's a monster. I mean, for different reasons. Yeah, a different yeah, type of monster. Yeah, he's, he's not a, a literal monster, but so, some may perceive him as a monster. <laughs> you know. <but laughs> everyone's a monster to, to someone. To someone, right, that's true. Yeah. So, so, Ben, which faction are you playing again? I, well, I'm, I'm playing Fire Slayers, yeah. as I think I mentioned before. They're, they're a new um, dwarf, or dwarden, as they're, yes. they're being called uh, by, by Games Workshop now. Um, and they again, they they are a sort of berserker mm-hmm. faction. So I've got a little band of of berserkers. Yeah. So I th- I think we drew in the first game. Yes. Because it was one of these ones where we had to kill X amount of models to to. And neither of us achieved that. No. Yeah. We well, I I think I think in the round that I achieved that, you then killed one of my guys <laughs> to force a draw yeah um, so we're on a draw and then I think I've won the last two yeah well you I, I in case you haven't figured out by my sort of demeanor when we're talking about this I got absolutely spanked in the last game it was not pretty well it's I mean the the I think the first game was definitely in your favor. Yeah, because it was one of those random deployment things where everything scattered all over the place. Yeah, and, and your, your your wolves are able to regroup quicker. Yeah, and your warband is very synergistic. Mm. So if if you're not all together, I stand a much better chance. Yeah, uh, but uh, the last game you were all bunched up together, yeah. and I could barely. Well, I got like, I got a, a couple of kills in, but now you pretty much wiped me out. It was the, the classic uh, cage setup, mm-hmm. wasn't it? I had the had the um the Grimrath Berserker who's the leader in the middle and yeah. then they just basically punch through. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, like I said, not pretty on yeah. my side of the table. 
but that, that's us halfway through that so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be continuing to uh, play through that and we'll we'll keep you all updated yep um hopefully who knows i might I might achieve something. Well, it's in that. it's not points based. No, it's, it's one of these ones where the person who wins the last game is the overall winner. Yeah, but you you get certain you pick up certain advantages yeah. throughout the campaign. So, but there's still everything to play for. True, I I I, I I'm not feeling optimistic, but I, it's it's a fun thing to try. It's something yeah. different yeah. and. Uh, it's nice to dust off my old uh, my old models because I, I played a lot of Eighth Edition, yep. not so much Age of Sigma. So this was a nice sort of uh, test test the water, give it a go. It's uh, all it's also a nice happy medium between mm-hmm. Age of Sigma and the Mordheim of old. Ah, Mordheim. So. Uh, that's that's a, a, a bit a great bit of news that's come out recently is that they are re-releasing Necromunda. Yes, and the models. Uh, we posted a link uh, on our Facebook page as soon as uh, yep. the news got announced. The models look fantastic. Yep, but they they still look thoroughly eighties. Yeah, which is what I was like. So I was really disappointed when they not really disappointed, but I was disappointed when uh, they released Shadow War because it was like, oh, this is them doing Necromunda now. And I get why they did the 40k factions because, you know, that's their most popular game and everyone's going to have like some models for yeah. 40k. Uh, but at the same time, I loved that the Mohawks and... Uh, piercings and like the the gang look yeah. that necromunda yeah. has a sort of mad max escape from yeah. new york and aesthetic it, I'd, I'd encourage you all click the link have a look at the models they've released my favorite one is the house goliath house goliath are the uh roid rage <laughs> gang <laughs> uh, and uh, my favorite model is the man who asks himself why have a gun when i can have a big axe and all the grenades in the world uh, it's a valid question I mean, what, what, what problem does a gun solve that axe and grenades don't? I can't think. of There that. we go. There we go. <laughs> this we're, we're living in twenty seventeen. This guy's living in thirty seventeen. <laughs> so, uh, so really looking forward to uh, that coming yeah, back. We do. We do like a skirmish game. Yeah. So uh, when that gets released, we'll inevitably pick that up and give it a go for sure yeah uh but the main uh the main game we want to talk to you about uh this week as we were saying last week uh is dark souls yeah we actually played it yes and it is every bit as sadistic as i was anticipating Did you think so well it, so it was four there were four of us playing it yeah. was us two charlotte and uh our friend callum as well and we pretty much ended up playing the exact same classes as we did in warhammer Quest. more more or less yeah but it's, uh, it's funny because it, it wasn't a deliberate thing it's like i i picked mm-hmm. up the guy with the axe and i thought this looks like my jam and then you picked up the herald the guy with the he's got a spear and shield who's pretty much the cleric yeah he's the support character <laughs> yeah. uh and then, and then we had oh no no because Callum played the assassin, yeah. the rogue this time around, and Charlotte was the knight or you know the, the, so it's the just, paladin or tank or it's whatever. It's just us that are stuck in our ways, really. Yeah, yeah. and I'm all right with that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I like hitting things with axes. I am House Goliath. Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair. fair. Um, no, it's right. I I think I think once we figured it out. 
it yep. got a lot easier. But if 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 I recall, uh, we first pick up the game, get through the first stream relatively straightforward, and I go right, I'm going into the next stream, and we all die. Yeah, because uh, we we approached it initially the same way as we tried to approach Warhammer Quest, mm-hmm. which is more or less a sprint to the boss fight. Yeah. Yeah, with, with a few, yeah. with you, the odd event thrown in. Mm-hmm. Here this in. this is a lot. To, the thing with Warhammer Quest was uh, we we never died outside of a boss battle, right? No, I don't think so. No. And, and and it was one of those things as well, Warhammer Quest, where the first few times you play it, it was really hard. Mm-hmm. But then you reach this tipping point where you you reach a certain power level. Yeah, and it does feel like there's not much challenge left. Yeah. Whereas uh, Dark Souls uh, is very punishing if you make a mistake. Yeah. And to be clear, if only one of your party dies, that's it. That's a wipe. Yeah, Yeah. it's a wipe. So you can't afford for anyone to die. So you've got to play the game trying to protect everyone. Yeah. And preserve preserve life. Because that's one of the other mistakes we made because we we looked at all the different character classes and Mm -hmm. we thought, okay, it's it's the classic RPG archetypes. Mm -hmm. So we went in um, having Charlotte, who was playing the knight, tanking all the damage. Mm -hmm. And what we quickly learned is that Dark Souls doesn't work like that. It's more of this balancing act. Everyone has to take their fair share of the punishment. And you have to you have to move you guys in a way that means the enemy are going to go for, yep. uh, for for everyone equally, uh, and it yes uh, uh, the boss fights when we finally got to the boss fights it's a really interesting mechanic uh, because a lot of the a lot of these dungeon crawler have like a sort of set behavior patterns and you well oh, sorry a set behavior table and you roll to see whatever the, yeah. the creature does. That's not like that in Dark Souls. So the minions, they all have... They will go after whichever player is closest to them or whichever player is the first player, um, and they will move towards them or move away from them and shoot or hack and slash or whatever. Um, The bosses have a little deck of cards with all different instructions, and you... uh, So you'll start the boss, you'll shuffle up the deck, uh, and then you'll start flipping the cards. And then when you run out, you put them back but not shuffling them in the same order so it's a bit like playing a video so game do, yeah well they, they, they actually refer to it as an attack pattern yeah it's, much like the bosses in yeah. dark and, souls and this is the this is the thing that i think is actually quite cool is that for, for so long it's been tabletop games that mm-hmm. have been informing video games yes but now it's come full circle and you actually <laughs> see them informing one yeah. another you know because it I think it's the first time that video games have really been able to do that because they're now so advanced. Yes. And the the geniuses behind some of these games are able to come up with, with such clever little things that... I, I mean, I say that, but attack patterns, they're something that have been in there for a while, but it's, it's just nice to see... Yeah, working the other way now. So, per, like, so the, the, the two... We fought a mini-boss and a boss. Uh, those two... That I found, I felt them slightly easier than I was anticipating. But I think this is because their attack patterns sort of dictated that they kind of got ref- like they, they, stuck they, to a yeah, certain they, area they of the room. Well, the 
without going into it too much, um, most of the the cards mm-hmm. that um, uh, dictate the boss's movement. Um, I think for the higher level bosses anyway, they actually tell you how far you turn their facing. Yeah. Whereas the Gargoyle and the Boreal Knight, which were the two that we fought, they're two of the they, easier ones. They don't right? well, they don't actually change facing yeah. in any of their cards. So it yeah. wasn't even like we lucked out. It's just they do just hop backwards and forwards. Yeah. So you can learn how to sort of stay out of harm's way with those. Well, because we, with the, the, we struggled a bit with the Gargoyle. Yes. But, but by the time we got to the Boreal Knight, we kind of sussed that actually, mm-hmm. if we stay to one side of the room. Yeah. Hop in when we have to attack and hop back out. You can't really do anything. Yeah. So we got there. Uh, we got there. But I did find it, I found it quite tricky at first. Uh, but overall, very fun. The miniatures uh, the miniatures look fantastic, but my my big criticism is the um, the plastic that they've used is not a very hard plastic, much like uh, Games Workshop figures or the other, like yeah. Airfix or stuff like that. It's more rubbery. Now, that, that might not seem like a, a big deal, but it does mean that... And, and there's quite a few of the miniatures will have, like, a spear or yeah. like a, a longbow, and which could bend very easily. And, in fact, one of the boss figures was broken uh, within the... Within, well, was he broken within the box? Yeah, he he, well, it? I got him like that. Yeah. Um, so he, he has this massive, oversized hammer. Mm-hmm. But it, it's another thing worth pointing out is that where most plastic figures are slightly hollow in yeah. the middle, these are solid. Yes. So so what it means is that the head of the hammer is huge. So it, it, it's counterbalanced against the feet. Yeah. So, so you, because you've only got those two points of contact, mm-hmm. and you've got the weight of the hammer just floating in midair, it's very easy for the feet just to pop out. Yeah, which is what happened yeah. with this with this model. But that's a, maybe a minor criticism. Although, as you were pointing out, it kind of puts you off having to go painting them because it means that inevitably the paint's going to yeah. crack and peel. Well, because as, as as someone that's quite into that aspect of the the whole tabletop hobby. The first thing you think whenever you buy a game with miniatures in it is, oh, can give these a paint. Yeah. yeah, but and as you said, that you know, my, my concern with painting them now would be is that oh, if a tail or a spearhead bends, mm-hmm. it'll just crack the paint. Yeah, so you you were saying you you're probably not gonna bother Pro- with those. probably not. No, which um, is a shame because the, the sculpts themselves they look fantastic. Well, they're they're, they're based on three D yeah, renders. Yeah, I remember you saying last. Yeah, three three D renders from the the actual game series. Yeah, um, but no. Overall, it was it was fun. It look it it does look great. The um, the oh, art the, style is yeah. very true to the video game. Uh, is that sort of gothic yeah. nightmare Lewis Carroll yeah, type thing, yeah. isn't it? Uh, it yeah, it, and it, it kind of it retains the sort of feel of the game as well, which, as, as wishy-washy as that sounds, I think that is important well, for something, a licensed product like this. I mean, the the, the main appeal with, with Dark Souls, um, as most people say, is the, the punishing difficulty. Mm-hmm. But I'm not hundred percent sure that is. I, I I think that the main appeal is the atmosphere. Yeah, and that that's something they've taken great pains to retain mm-hmm. in the board game. Yeah. 
which is cool and that's great to see. Yeah. I would love to play more of it and I think what we're going to do is uh, play through the campaign mode uh, and that will give us a better idea well, of how the difficulty yeah. stacks. At the-, at the back of the book um, they've they've outlined or they've recommended mm-hmm. different games and scenarios to play through yeah. in a campaign structure um, which looks very interesting but does also bring me on to the thing that really bothered me about the game most of all mm-hmm. and that was the rule book oh yeah um, I think that this this is probably going to be a common complaint of ours uh, but it, it's true Like a, a badly written rule book is so frustrating especially when it's a game that does have quite a bit of depth to it Yeah, because inevitably when a game does have depth to it and you do you want depth in a game but it it will have its own jargon because it needs to it needs to di- differentiate between enemies and characters mm. and things like that. You can't refer to them by a collective term. They do need to differentiate. Mm-hmm. But it means that when because when whenever you start a game, um, you you you're going to be asked a lot of questions, especially if you're the purchaser, mm-hmm. because people just assume you know more about it. Well, don't you? <laughs> well, <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, but it, there was no index again, which was my complaint uh, about Warhammer uh, Quest. Yeah, yeah, and it just and, makes looking looking things up really difficult. And um, and myself and Charlotte, my wife, we we actually dug out the Lord of the Rings card game mm-hmm. last night to play that for the first time in years. And one of the first things I said to her is I sort of jumped up, threw open the book, and was like, "Look, look, an index." <laughs> <laughs> never, never thought I'd hear you getting excited about an index. I know. That, well, neither did I. <laughs> and do you know the weird thing is that the Lord of the Rings card game has been around for years, mm. has an index. Both of these games I've complained about have come out in the last year and don't have that. Yeah, it's like this old thing that people, you know, are getting so excited about creating these new games. Like, oh, we forgot the index again, guys. <laughs> We forgot to re- write a rule book that's easy to follow. Yeah. Because right. uh, there's, there's other small things, admittedly, but um, things that do make it more difficult to try and figure out. Like, so when you're talking about a, a certain named mechanic in the game. It's the jargon example, thing. Yeah. Again. Put it in bold, put it in italics, put it in some way. They, did, they that, didn't do that as yeah, well. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, make, make it stand out on the page. Um, and it does, like, it. <laughs> Ultimately, it's a small complaint because once you do learn the rules, you're referring to the book an awful lot less. But when you're first starting out a game, that can be the thing that that can be the thing that stops you enjoying it and just makes it a frustrating experience. Because yeah. I mean, going forward, we are going to be able to talk people through the game because mm-hmm. we've now um, made all those mistakes. Yeah, um, we we've had to read through the rule book thoroughly. Um, so a lot of people might say, "Well, what, you know, what's the problem if you've just mm-hmm. got someone to talk you through it?" But the point is that someone within the multiplicity of gaming groups on the planet, whenever a group decides to play this game, is going to have to go through that experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that someone has to read the book. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. Uh, but over, overall, I enjoyed playing it. I'm looking forward to playing more of it. 
uh, and again, we'll keep you updated uh, in little little parts on how so, how we get on with. Yeah, the it wasn't bad enough to put me off it, but it's. I think it's going to become a pattern mm-hmm. in this podcast. Where <laughs> <laughs> I think another pattern you're, you're going to hear us uh, talk about in this podcast, and uh, please tell me if I'm wrong, but I think most gaming groups will do this. For the first time you play a new game, you'll get at least one rule wrong. Oh, at yeah. least. <laughs> I, I think I, I think everyone must do that. Yeah, and I I think a, I think a brilliant example of that was was Eighth Edition Warhammer back in the day. Mm-hmm. The first probably four times you played that game, you had no idea what happened. <laughs> I because I mean if if, if I, for anyone who never played Warhammer uh, back in Eighth Edition, the um, the rule book was about the size of the Geneva Convention human uh, Convention of Human Rights. It was that thick. That that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> I know, and and there's a lot of stuff going on in Warhammer, yep. so it does need to be that in depth. But it, yeah, it takes some uh, it takes some interpreting. Yep. Yeah. But um, so uh, the reason we were talking about Dark Souls, uh, other than the fact that we played it, was uh, on how you acquired it, which is through Kickstarter. Uh, yeah, it was a, a Kickstarter game. I think it's probably up there, um, certainly amongst the tabletop games that have come through Kickstarter, is one of the most successful. Certainly. I mean, the, the, obviously the IP will have helped tremendously. But um, can you t- t- well tell us about the experience of it. So, I'm relatively new to Kickstarter. So uh, tell us about the the sort of experience from you know finding it, ordering it. Like how long did it take? Was it easy? Was it difficult? Well, first of all, um, the Dark Souls Kickstarter wasn't the first Kickstarter that I mm-hmm. have been in. So a lot of people are a bit reluctant. You know, the, the the first time they try crowdfunding. Yeah. Uh, I I didn't have that reluctance because I'd already backed a few mm-hmm. Kickstarters and everything had been fine. Um, I think it was Oathsworn Miniatures, so it was just miniatures for uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. G- generic fantasy mm-hmm. miniatures. It was just a little independent guy that was producing them. Um, so. For the Dark Souls Kickstarter, because they had this the Steam Forged Games pedigree behind it, mm-hmm. it meant that they had enormous pulling power to promote that out with Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and it it's one of the the things that I, that from what I've witnessed can make or break a Kickstarter. It actually depends on how successfully it's promoted in the in the run up to the Kickstarter. Yeah, rather than whether the idea itself is good. Well, I, I think I think the the thing I compared it to you was about about seven years ago. Um, one of my friends and I actually looked at taking a show to the Edinburgh Fringe. Yes, yeah, you, we, you were telling me. Yeah, and we we attended a, a presentation uh, that consisted of a panel of members of different mm-hmm. groups and organizations who had you know va- various degrees of involvement with mm-hmm. the fringe they'd been involved with different shows and what one of the things that they said is that if you're going to take a show to the fringe you have to be out there every day promoting it yeah and they, they actually said that um i can't remember what act it was but it was a, it was a, i think it was an internationally renowned drumming group 
mm-hmm. who'd won a bunch of awards. They'd actually won some fringe awards. Yeah. Um, they were packed out for most of the fringe. They came back the next year, didn't promote it, and were empty pretty much the whole time. And which is awful for them because it is not cheap. Nope. putting on a show at the fringe no it is uh, not by any stretch but yeah I, I think it's a good uh, it, it, it's a good comparison yeah uh, because like I say it's not necessarily whether the idea is good or not obviously if the idea is no. the idea is awful no one's going to well, invest I mean, I, in I it I actually but... showed you um, in the run up to doing this podcast mm. um, a, a number of failed projects yes. the projects that hadn't reached their funding goal mm-hmm and it wasn't because they were bad ideas it's because they weren't promoted right mm-hmm. and that so that that's I think one of it, it wasn't just the fact that they had the Dark Souls IP which is mm-hmm. a huge thing because it meant that not only were they appealing to uh, tabletop gamers it meant that they they're also bringing in the, a, a multitude of fans of yeah, the game yeah fans of video uh, gaming yeah. fans of the, the, the IP itself who yeah. were you know, as we all know, very, very keen on yeah. Dark Souls. They are very ra- rabid fan base. Do you think that's a fair way? I, I would it? say that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah amongst uh, a, another string of yeah. descriptors. <laughs> but, um, so, uh, so obviously that helps them out a lot. And the ho- that whole process, uh, I recall you saying, was very smooth. It arrived on time. In fact, did you say it arrived early? I think it arrived a week or two weeks early. Yeah, fantastic. Which because um, it, it's for anyone who's not familiar with Kickstarter, um, what they do is they they set a funding goal, which is what they project as the amount that they need in order to print and distribute. Yeah, to get that idea case, off the ground, whatever yeah. it is. And then what they'll do is they they have a list of pledges, mm-hmm. and they are different uh, amounts of money. And the idea is that if you pledge X amount of money, we'll give you this in return. So in the case of Dark Souls, it was you you pledge, I think it was like £80 or something Mm -hmm. like that. You you get a copy of the game plus any stretch goals or applicable stretch goals, which is for every increment that they go above their projected funding goal, they add something yeah, to little, sweeten the pot. A little bonus. Yeah. Yeah. So they they obviously smashed all of those funding goals. I think they ran out of stretch mm-hmm. goals and the like I said, the, the, the package arrived uh, a little bit early. Mm-hmm. Um a little bit earlier than the mm-hmm. the estimated uh, completion date. Yeah. Which is fantastic. And yeah. have all the uh, projects that you've invested in, have they all gone as smoothly? No. <laughs> yeah, for for yeah. various reasons. Uh-huh. Um, I, I actually backed a couple of video games as well. Mm-hmm. One of them was Ukulele. Ah, uh, the, the Banjo-Kazooie type game. Yeah, well, it's, it's made by the guys that made yeah. Banjo-Kazooie. Um, and the, they, they wanted to make an old-school 3D platformer uh, none of the big publishers at the time were interested, so they took it to Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and they absolutely smashed their goals as well. It was way beyond anything that they imagined. But what they decided to do was, rather than stick to being a sort of low-budget indie title, mm-hmm. they actually 
shifted their goal slightly because they had so much money now they were able to upscale everything mm-hmm. so they went from having you know a, a, a little score composed on the computer to a full orchestral arrangement they were able to hire in voice talent mm-hmm. they, were, they actually hired in a load of staff it's uh, Platonic Games is now yeah. a a legitimate uh, studio. I think it's based in Guildford, which is like... Uh, there's a, it's a little hub of uh, game yeah, development. Yeah, because uh, until recently you had Lionhead Studios there as well. I yeah. think there's, there's a few others, but it was... Rare, uh, uh, rare software. Rare are still yeah. there. So it, it's it's almost the the epicentre of uh, games development in the UK at yeah. the moment. Or certainly one of them. Certainly yeah. one of them. Um, I, so obviously they, they announced this. Um, what was your reaction to that then? Because obviously say as, as awesome as it sounds it puts the it, it puts the completion date back so were, were you annoyed or I for me that, that didn't bother me mm-hmm. because it means that you're going to have a much higher quality product mm-hmm. because with with something like a, video games especially the the quality is very dependent on how much money they have at their disposal. Yes. Yeah. So when when you hear that a video game is being delayed, especially when so many games are being rushed out at the moment, I th- I think it was actually two thousand and thirteen. Mm-hmm. There was a run of big budget games that were all absolute disasters. Was it by Ubisoft by any chance? Uh, it, it, that's that's when that infamous Assassin's Creed. Yeah, the one with the teeth. Out. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, oh. you had that, and then you had um, uh, Destiny was very mm-hmm. controversial at the time because again the goalposts had shifted so many times yeah. with that. So when when you hear that a video game is being delayed, mm-hmm. usually it, it's bittersweet because you like, I really want to play it, but at least they're keen but, to give yeah. you a, a, Put a in quality the product. Yeah. Put in the effort in. So there was that one. Uh, yeah. I, I, I recall King, King, Kingdom Come was a similar thing. Yeah, the uh, uh, MMO. Uh, so medieval open world RPG. Yeah. Um, and again, they smashed all their goals. They changed the the method because mm-hmm. they wanted to deliver a, a superior product. But the um, pro- probably to date my most negative experience in Kickstarter was with the the creature caster. Yes, uh, Kickstarter, which was um, a, a little independent guy mm-hmm. um, based in Canada, who decided that he wanted to make uh, large resin miniatures of monsters that could be used in any game. So they're 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 definitely influenced by a lot of the Games Workshop. Yeah, games, but they're Forge generic. Wo- yeah, yeah. Forge World Studios, which is an offshoot company from Games Workshop, that do these like high quality resin models yes. for gaming. Well, I, well, Forge World in particular, the idea behind it was they were going to do all the big, big things yeah. for for these games. Um, although I think they have shifted a little bit mm-hmm. since, but that's what they were originally started for. So he he wanted to do a similar thing, but make these things generic enough mm-hmm. that they could be used in uh, in any game mm-hmm. or any any fantasy or sci-fi yeah. uh, game and you show you show me the kickstarter page the the designs looked fantastic 
they're 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 absolutely stunning. Um, that it's a combination. I, I believe it's a combination of three D rendering and hand sculpting that yeah. he uses. The the guy the guy is very gifted. But the the controversy came in, or it started when he he also went way over um, what mm-hmm. his projected uh, funding goal was. And he he changed what he wanted to do, but the the problem is here that al- although you do need money to produce miniatures, mm-hmm. the quality is not as dependent on your budget as a video game is. Certainly now we we live in a, a world where you know computer assisted design, three yeah, D printing, all, yeah, all of that. That, all of that helps most, to most manufacture mini- yeah. things a lot cheaper than you would even ten years ago. Yeah, mo- well, most miniatures are uh, to varying degrees designed in CAD now. Yeah, um, which is computer assisted drawing. Yeah, um, but the so what what um what Jeremy who was at the helm of Cre- Creature Caster at the time I think I think he's still involved but I think he stepped back from mm-hmm. the the sort of administrative side he he shifted from this idea where he was going to find um, printers mm-hmm. in, uh, in each of the major continents for yeah. so he was going to have a, a caster in England mm-hmm. distributing for Europe mm-hmm. and then he was going to have one in Canada for North, North America. America and I think he was probably just looking at shipping from those two places for yeah, you, the rest probably, of the world. You'd probably cover the rest of the world at a reasonable cost for from but, those two locations. But what he did instead was he decided to set up his own casting company. Yeah. A significant departure from uh, yeah. what was originally in, like promised. And I know he because he, he, he t- the, the, this process actually went on for about two years. Because I was going to say... Um, Sorry to skip to uh, skip to the end, but mm. like, you still haven't received this. No, and to be fair, part of it was me because what happened was after the the turn of throw and the 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 changing of tact, uh, ended up that I was having to pay on top of my pledge, um, sixty five Canadian dollars mm-hmm. to ship the miniature to to Glasgow, and I and. I know that that that's now a common thing now where shipping's charged at the end of the the project, but no, it was the, never made clear to you. It, it wasn't made clear, but over and above that is the you'll see in a lot of Kickstarters they have a badge that will say this project is EU friendly. Yeah, and that that's there because for anyone that hasn't ever purchased anything from North America, you get absolutely hammered on shipping. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure in the ins and outs of it, and if anyone uh, wants to email us and explain it, that'd be great. But for some reason, it's a lot cheaper for us to send things to North America than it is vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, there was a there was a I, w- I was looking to purchase some trees for mm-hmm. a, a little project, just um, twenty eight millimeter scale pine trees mm-hmm. from a a modeling shop in America. And they wanted to charge me fifty eight dollars to sh- to <laughs> ship them, 
That's absurd. And it is, it's not like it's uh, a particular region that this is a problem because I, I've had that experience mm. a lot in America and obviously, or throughout America, and again, it's it's been an issue with this Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And the the main gripe that I had was it was advertised as being EU-friendly and then you get a very unfriendly shipping bill at the end of the campaign. Which, you know, if had they uh, disclosed that at the beginning of the campaign... You'd certainly have a well. You'd be aware of it for a start, and you'd certainly have a lot less sour grapes about uh, having to pay that. Yeah. And I, I did, I did ask for a refund when they mm-hmm. published the shipping rates that they'd finally yeah. decided upon. Because I and I, I said to them, "Look, I've already been waiting two years for this model, and now I have to pay." a great big shipping bill is there any way that I can sell my pledge or you can just refund me and they said that they couldn't refund me at that time because money's gone Yep, (laughs) we spent it (laughs) they'd spent the money by that point Um, but to their credit I guess they they said to me that they would hold the, the miniature in perpetuity um and it's only just recently that I actually decided to to go ahead and and pay the the shipping. So after about three or four years, Whoa. Uh, I'm finally going to get a hold of the the mountain dragon that I uh, pledged. Yeah. And I'm not sure if I actually would have bothered to pay the final balance were it not for the fact that we decided to do a podcast right (laughs) because I I thought it would be a fun little experiment yeah to sort of document the the process of me having my gripe about uh, my my worst experience on Kickstarter to finally receiving Mm -hmm. it and last I checked, um, because I do have a, a tracker for it, it's in the UK somewhere and is on <laughs> transit. So um, to to be continued. Yes. On that one. We shall. Uh, yes. Looking forward to you finally receiving it and uh, mm. hope it's worth the wait. Yeah. But uh, accountability, just to finally say, is is a big problem on Kickstarter. Yeah, and uh, to Kickstarter's credit, they are if uh, they are very clear on this. You are not a consumer. You are not buying a product, you are investing into a project. And there is a very big distinction, particularly when it comes to the law, um, on what your rights are. If you invest in a project and it hits its goal and they take your money and it falls apart, you have no recourse. No legal recourse. The The project managers might be able to refund you, Yeah. Uh, but... That's not a guarantee, and they are not obliged to by law because it's more, you are investing. It more or less comes down to courtesy with mm-hmm. that sort of thing, but and a lot of people don't like to say it, but it is a little bit of a gamble. Any yeah. investment, exactly, exactly. It's like buying stocks. It's like you know anything along those lines. Uh, so you get that, you get sure bets and you get risky bets. Yeah, and my, most of the kickstarters that I have backed um, have been. Sure bets. Yeah, because well, yeah. because I, I'm 
I'm a little bit of a reluctant backer. I, yeah. I wait till I know <laughs> that it's going to be a success and then I go in, which is you know, <laughs> so it's maybe seen as a little bit um I don't even know what the word would be. You don't want to throw your money away. No, do you? I don't want to throw my money away, but I guess some some diehard fans might see it as a little bit weak, but I've, I've I've been bitten before by the 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 creature caster debacle, yeah. and granted it was a success, but it, it 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 fell far from what it was supposed to be. Yeah, and that's that's why it's important when you when you're looking through Kickstarter to you know really read into it, read up about the people who are developing this project or managing the project, and make sure that you you are comfortable with uh, make sure you're comfortable with losing that money. Because that is ultimately what could happen. Yep. Um, that being said, there are some fantastic projects on the go uh, at the moment. Uh, now, you were telling me about a, a very big one that you've just backed. Yeah, probably um, similar in size and scale to the Dark Souls project. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think they actually got more money, understandably, and that's the Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, Tabletop which game. Uh, is the Game of Thrones yeah. miniatures game. Which uh, you though, would... though this is based on the books rather than yes. the TV show, presumably so they don't have to pay HBO a lot of money. <laughs> I would say so, <laughs> uh, but uh, it looks fantastic. Uh, so uh, check it out on Kickstarter. Uh, the uh, it's basically for a core boxed game uh, that contains a Stark army and a Lannister army. I know I will inevitably get the uh, Lannisters. Yep. Because I'm because you are a Lannister, basically. Well, I'm not. I'm not a complete dick. <laughs> no, you, you blonde hair. Okay. That, I'll take that's that. more I'll take what that. I was yeah. going for. I Can I be Tyrion? Everyone loves Tyrion. Every, right? Yeah. See, they're they're not all bad. <laughs> Although, uh, potential spoilers here. Uh, is the theory he's not actually a Lannister at all? Uh, theory emphasis on theory. right okay because right. that it, has yet to be it, confirmed it's quite a reach right okay all right that so that's a bit of a out there theory mm. but um yeah uh, and the, the the cool thing with this game uh, from the look of it is obvi- obviously a lot of these tabletop games get inspiration from the big ones you know the likes of why i'm a fan yeah. of the um this has a non-combat element to it so the likes of Tyrion get a miniature and he can do his thing and influence uh, combat with uh, what? What do they call it? Political intrigue? Is that I, a... They call it something like that, but it, it more or less is the same thing as command abilities mm-hmm. in, in Age of Sigmar, mm-hmm. where the the non combat unit does something obviously out of combat mm-hmm. that has a consequence on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, I think Tywin Lannister's. Uh, Ability is he he causes panic. Ah, that's cool. Um, so it, it's it's little synergetic things like mm-hmm. that. But obviously, um, people like Catelyn Stark and Cersei they aren't on the battlefield themselves, but their influence is felt. Yeah, which is very thematic of the books. Yes, yeah, that which I thought was cool. The miniatures again look great although are they all do they actually have a photo of a miniature or is it all 3d renders that they've got on the kickstarter no they, they because they they took the game to gen con right so they they, they did have pit, well obviously they had a, a little gallery set up yeah with not just some of the current miniatures mm-hmm. some of the stuff they're planning to release 
Mm-hmm. So I think they've actually done uh I think the next box set is going to be the Night's Watch versus the Wildlings. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the Night's Watch have got trebuchets and crossbows and all that, and then the mm-hmm. Wildlings, I think, are going to be presumably a sort of horde army. Yeah. So that that will be an interesting one. Yes. Uh, when is that due to complete? That That is due to be in the hands of the backers next spring. And I believe you can still back well, it. This, this spring. Yeah, there's still time to back it as well. Well, they, they're, they're doing a thing now called late pledges. Okay, so right. I think I think you've got until the end of August and and you can still essentially uh, make a pledge. It's it's on a it's not on it's not through Kickstarter though. I think mm-hmm. it's backer kit that's doing that, which is a peripheral service. I see. Right, cool. Um but that that's that's a good example of probably a sure bet on Kickstarter because yeah. you've got a, a well known and loved IP, and it's being published by Cool Many or Not, which have a stellar track record. Yeah, on Kickstarter. so so you were you were you were telling me they did Zombicide, which um, most most of our listeners will have definitely heard of if not played themselves. So what the, what other games have they, they done? They did Arcadia Quest. Yes, that's right. I, 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 a few of my friends uh, have been talking about that. Tell me how great that is. So I, th- that I think the the most recent prior to that was Massive Darkness, mm-hmm. which uh, is a bit of a strange name. Yeah, I don't yeah. know too much about it, but I think it is sort of dungeon crawler esque mm-hmm. again. Uh, pardon my ignorance. If there's any Massive Darkness fans listening, but I'm gonna get berated by them now. Yeah. But oh, as the the company name suggests, it's nearly always a game which features miniatures. Yeah, the the Arcadia Quest miniatures. I think I've seen it because you were saying it's all like chibi anime inspired yeah. style. Bobbleheads. So, yeah, yeah. So I think I have seen it, and that looks fantastic and very unique as well. It's nice yeah. to see something a bit more cartoony because uh, that, that's quite a, a rare thing, particularly when you know you've got a dominant force like Games Workshop that's pushing like the grim darkness of the future. Yeah, it, it, it's nice to have a cute uh, anime. A breath of fresh air. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're quite right. Uh, the, the the Song of Fire and Ice game is probably, as you would say, a, a sure bet. Um, there's loads of projects, and um, that not just actual games, but gaming accessories. I think there's literally a million different dice uh, projects on the go. Um, I actually backed a, a dice chest project. Oh, nice! I think I, did I show you that? I th- um, what was it called again? I think it was just called Dice Chest. It's <laughs> nice, um, nice naming, guys. <laughs> they, they call it like they see it. Yep, Ron Seal. Yep, does exactly what it says on the tin. <laughs> That's it. But although it says Dice Chest, you can actually use it as a deck box as well. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is yeah, that's that's cool. So right. it, it's it's a it's a little medieval looking box, and you can mm-hmm. store your uh, gaming accessories in it. Yeah, which I, I mine are currently in a washed out Chinese takeaway box, <laughs> which isn't the most thematic. Practical, practical. Not pretty. Mm. So yeah, cool. Uh, hopefully uh, that that gets delivered soon, and we'll we'll see that September. I think that was, no December. 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 December for that one. Um, there's loads of scenery and accessories along the lines of that. You were showing me a fog machine for yeah. uh, like dungeon uh, based games, which I, I 
a thing I'd have never even thought of. Like now, now whenever I play Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or whatever, I'm going to be thinking, do, "There's no fog." No, do you know what we need it for? What is Necromunda? Yes, actually, and speaking of which, I, when I was browsing it the other night, uh, there's a guy in 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 the UK who's doing MDF uh, based sci-fi scenery Ooh. and it looks great um we'll we'll put a link uh, we'll put a link with all of these kickstarters uh on yeah. our page as well um and he's he's trying to get uh, backing to do some more complex models like the big centerpiece model that he's doing at the moment it looks a bit like an oil rig and it's like four oh, okay. foot four foot by four foot by three foot in the air so it's huge and ideal for games like Necromunda. Yeah. Uh, so, kind of tempted by that. Yeah. Um, I think I think Games Workshop have done some they, stuff like that. They've done it for Shadow War, and it's quite expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I quite like. I quite like. Uh, I like things to look a little different. So yeah, it, that's definitely worth checking out. Uh, the first. Kickstarter that I've ever actually backed though yeah, uh, is a game called Enchanters uh, which we actually played and this is a really good idea um, it's a card based game so what they have done is they have published the rule book on the Kickstarter and published a uh, printable set yeah. of the cards and everything you need to so, actually uh, try the game before you commit to uh, just a PDF with I think four of the decks mm-hmm. from yeah the game. There's, I think there's six decks in total yeah uh, so you get to try four different decks really cool idea um, what you have is your um, you have uh, items and you have enchantments and basically what you're doing is you are crafting weapons and armor to fight monsters. Yep. Uh, just by simply combining, this is my item, this is my enchantment, I am now wearing the Cloak of Alchemy. Uh, yeah. And they'll all have a, a, a unique effect. Uh, and it's fantastic. I love the art style. Um, the, the They had flavour text on each of the cards, which was quite funny and like light-hearted. Uh, and I felt when we had a go at it, those three of us, um, and it, it seemed to run smoothly. Uh, it was a fun game. I'm looking forward to trying it more, and I've backed it. I've uh, taken the plunge. I popped my Kickstarter cherry. Oh. So, <laughs> did you did you not like that metaphor? No, that that jars a bit. Uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I take it back. I take it all might, back. Might, might edit that one out. I think. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> this is a family show. What? Well, what was rude about that? Where to, where to begin? <laughs> but oh, no, I, I think the the thing that I liked most about Enchanters was, as you were saying, mm-hmm. you have a weapon card and an augment card. Mm-hmm. And what they've done is the, the flavour text from the weapon card carries on to the augment card. Yes. So you've got dozens of of combinations of, of flavour text. Yeah. Like, what, what, one of the ones, I think we've got a picture of it up on the page. <laughs> and it was some because it was the trap of leeches. Yeah. And it was some it was something along the lines of uh, a, tra- a trap that stings and then it continues on yeah. to the the of leeches augment and sucks really hard. Yep. 
<laughs> so I, I, I used that example just after I said we're a family show, but yeah, I think all bets are off now. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so and I know and I know you've backed it as well. Yeah, so. I, I as I'm a sucker for collectors editions. Mm-hmm. I went for the all singing, all dancing one with the play mats and everything. Yeah, I went for the basic one because I'm tight. <laughs> 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 but who, who knew Josh worked yeah. in finance? Uh, uh, shh, shh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, looking forward to that hitting that 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 you've still got time to back that. That is definitely thirty first of August. Is, is it? I thought it was when... next month. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. But you, there's, well, there's still yeah, that time. There's left. still there's still time for you to uh, to back that project as well, and that's due to deliver in December. They've released the game in Poland already as well, so I'm mm-hmm. pretty confident that they're actually going to deliver on that. That's worth a point, actually. Is that Kickstarter's not always for new companies and new no, projects? No, in fact, well, there's quite a lot of established yeah, well, companies uh, pri- using pri- it as a privateer press yeah. actually use it to. To raise funds for a lot of their projects, and they're one of the biggest companies, like but it seems it's a little bit cheeky with them, almost. I think. How would you feel if someone like Games Workshop started jog on you? You're having (laughs) a laugh. (laughs) Come on now. Yeah, I am. I, I think the thing, with the exception of Wizards of the Coast and Games Workshop, and I'm pro- there'll, there'll be other companies out there that are, I, I can't quite think of off the top of my head, but that are like equally as huge. I think with the exception of those, even the bigger companies like Privateer Press would probably struggle to finance a lot of their projects. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, speaking as someone who works in the financial services industry, a lot of the things you see on Kickstarter, these are off the wall style things. These are things where if you went to a bank asking for a loan, nope, they would, yeah, they will be sorry, big denied stamp yeah. on it, like you get in the films. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's exactly how that works. <laughs> yeah, do you get to do that? I I do not. No, you, um, you I, need I, you need to put that to the the boss. <laughs> Just say that it, say that it, it's diminishing your sense of job satisfaction. I wonder if they'll make me one. They'll probably make me one in every single letter I send out that uh, has that stamp on. They'll just bin it. Yeah. <laughs> like, after I put it in the mail, Josh has sent another one. Yeah. Bin. <laughs> send the real one out. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so, yeah, and Kickstarter's been great for that. Uh, it's yep. been great for realising some uh, creative ideas that probably wouldn't have seen the light of day had it not been for uh, crowdfunding. So yep. uh, for that, it is fantastic, and I hope, no doubt, we will continue I, to see. I would definitely say the pros outweigh the cons with Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, and you've but you've backed quite a few projects now. Over Not as many as some people. No, some people. I think just I think to... Kickstarter addiction's an actual thing now. <laughs> you think they have meetings? Yeah, Kickstarter's Hi. anonymous. Hi, I'm Jeff. Will it be backers anonymous? Yeah, sorry, yeah, back, <laughs> and I'm. Uh, I'm addicted to backing. I'm a backer. I'm a backer. <laughs> You're very brave. You're very brave. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, uh, I think we shall uh, bring this uh, podcast to a close. So thank you very much for listening, everyone. If you've got any questions, uh, we've got uh, our Facebook page. We've got our email address if you fancy sending us uh, 
letters of admiration slash hate. <laughs> no, no dick pics. No. I did, do you have to say that now? I'm is sorry, that, I've invited them now. Is that, is, is that the world we live in, though, that we have to we have to stimulate that up front? I think it is. Anyway, thank you for listening, guys, and we'll catch you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.